Hello, everybody. I'm going to start today's podcast with a little information. I'm going to take you through a practice. This is a practice that I use for the meditative archery. This is a practice that comes from a bigger journaling workshop that I lead that's called the Intensive Journaling based in Carl Jung's shadow work. So before we get started, if you want to grab a piece of paper and a pencil, you can go ahead and do that. If you're somebody similar to me that also likes to be moving while you're listening to this, you can pause at the different prompts that I'm going to take you through and you can record voice record a memo on your phone. Or maybe you're somebody like my husband, Todd, who can just do it on the fly and remember it. I am not that person. Plus, I like to go back to what I've written and sometimes look for further insight. So before we get started, run and do that, and I'll catch you back here in a minute. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. I hope this podcast, this episode, finds you snuggling down with your family, your pets, or if you are alone in your apartment or your house, finding connection through all the different ways that we've been finding connection. All the new ways, all the (laughs) interesting ways. My friend Molly came over the other day to drop something off. Don't worry, we didn't come in physical contact with each other and we stayed about eight feet apart, but she dropped off She had borrowed a pasta maker from my daughter, Brennan, and she dropped it off on the porch, texted me that she was there. She stood out in the yard and I sat on the front porch and we were able to talk. And it was really nice to have contact with one of my closest friends. And then before (laughs) before she left, I said, wait, Molly. And I hugged myself and she hugged herself at the same time because that's the closest thing we're going to get to hugging each other. So. We're taking what we can get when we can get it and reaching out and trying to make something beautiful out of something that is really painful and difficult and something that is unknown to us, that we don't have a grid or a path marked out and neither do the leaders that are trying to take us through this crisis. I'm not referring to political leaders necessarily, but people that work in hospitals and Center for Disease and all of those people that are, you know, that have seen a lot of things and still don't know how to take us through this. So wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, if you're walking or running right now, I'm with you in spirit. If you are cozied up in your house, trying to get a little private time without the people around you, grab a cup of tea or some coffee and get cozy and let's do this thing. (laughs) I sound like a sports person. I I joke, but I did play sports and I enjoyed it. I wasn't so much into the competitive stuff. I think that's probably the Enneagram 2 and me, I'm not saying that Enneagram 2 people are not competitive, but I think it hits 
something in me that I don't like sometimes when I'm not aware. It hits a really competitive, um, out-of-control place in me if I don't pay attention to it. So, <clears throat> I digress. So today, I am going to take you through a piece of the intention intensive journaling workshop that I did. So I did this workshop about 15, maybe 12 years ago, because I think Brennan was in kindergarten and Zion was in um, second grade. So it's been a long time. And I have been teaching this ever since because it was so transformational to me and I do not use that word lightly. This three-day journaling workshop changed my life. And I use the prompts from the journaling all the time in my everyday life. I don't always write them down because I've been doing this journaling work so long that I don't always have to write them down. I can kind of take myself through what I would call a process. And what I mean by process is a really good tool that can unlock something or at least help us get at something that we've been trying to get at. It's a, you know, like anything else, um, addition or whatever you, whatever you use to kind of help you learn something, that's what I mean by a process. It is contained in itself and has so many ways for so many different people to get at, at something. And when I say journaling, I want to be very careful because a lot of times journaling kind of repels some people and attracts some people. The only thing that makes this a journaling thing is a paper and pencil. That's the only thing that makes it journaling. When I think of journaling, like personal journaling that I would do, it's more like vomiting on a page. I'm getting out all that stuff that's kind of kind of clogging up my inner workings and I'm just getting it out and I very seldom refer back to it. It's more the process of just expelling stuff. This journaling is prompt led and it is very specific. It has four main questions and those questions unlock really powerful keys inside of us if we are open to listening. So there's no magic to it. It's just your go if you go into this process the best let me rephrase that. The best way to go into this process is to be critical free. It is so easy to overanalyze and be critical about what is going on inside of us, but that is that is like a no, no in this journaling because it kind of blocks anything that you're trying to get to if you're overanalyzing and being overcritical. So I want to paint a picture for you of kind of the stance inside yourself, the best posture to go into this journaling with. And the best posture to go into this journaling with is a tool from improv and I don't know the official name for it, but it's basically don't block the offer. 
So your inside is going to offer you something, your inner voice, inner wisdom, if <clears throat> whatever you want to call it, it's going to offer you something. So when you do improv, somebody will say, will offer you something like, envision me handing you something and I say, here's a treasure box. Tell me what's inside. And you say, there's nothing in your hands. That's blocking the offer. Now, a good improver can use whatever you bring, but you've just made it more difficult for the other person your or your inner voice to do a back and forth with you. Now, if I say, here's a treasure box, tell me what's inside, and you're like, there is a whole universe inside, and I see this, and you know, and you you expand the back and forth and the play. It's endless where it can go. And so that's the stance in this journaling that you want to approach it with. You want to approach it with turning off that critical voice. You want to approach it with wonder and play, even though you may hit some hard stuff. And you want to not censor yourself. And what I mean by not censoring yourself is this journaling prompt is for you. Nobody else is going to read it. So by not censoring yourself, you're opening yourself up to say whatever you need to say and hear whatever you need to hear. And if you don't like it, or if you're angry, you can express that in this journaling because nobody's going to read it and nobody's going to judge you for it. So just approaching it with wonder and openness. And how we start is I want you to, whether you're walking or sitting somewhere, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to relax and I want you to sit with yourself and see what comes up for you. And what I mean is, what do you want to journal with? <clears throat> so it has to be short and sweet. It can't be like, I want to journal with loneliness and anger and fear and rage. And it has to be one thing and one thing only. Because you can go back and use this technique maybe for all those other things. Most of the time it works for the different things. But you want to, you can't really journal with more, th more than one thing at a time. So the example that I'm going to use today is I'm going to use fear. Because I think that fear is prevalent right now. And we don't really know what to do with it. So it's coming out sideways. Maybe it's coming out by you, you know, yelling at your spouse. Or you freaking out over something you normally would kind of just roll with. Or panicking or <clears throat> whatever. It's coming out sideways. And if we can look at the fear... And have a conversation with it, we can better understand it or at least make peace with it or not have it overwhelm us. 
it, for you, it may not be fear. So you can, whatever you need to replace fear with, you can. You can put in anger, you can put in rage, you can put in hopelessness, you can put in disappointment. It doesn't have to be fear, but I'm going to use fear as an example because it's going to be easier for me to teach with that. So what I want you to do right now is for 30 seconds, I want you to breathe and I want you to just be silent with yourself and whatever comes up for you is what you're going to journal with. It's, this is a situation of first thought, best thought. There might be 20 other things you can journal with, but for right now, we're going to take first thought, best thought. So take 20 seconds and breathe with me, and then we'll move to the next step. Okay, do you have your feeling? Do you have your emotion? Whatever you're going to journal with, write that down on your paper or speak it into your phone so you can refer to it if you need to. The first prompt that we're going to do is called your focusing statement. And the way I describe a focusing statement is, you know when, when you, maybe you still do, but when you have to write a paper for school, you have the first paragraph and the end paragraph. And the first paragraph is supposed to sum up sort of what your paper is going to be about. This is the same thing in the journaling. It's a short, listen to that very carefully, it is a short paragraph, usually not more than three sentences. And all that it's there for is to kind of get you familiar with this feeling again and get ready to journal with it. It's like, um, it's a jumping off place, but you don't want to jump off into the journaling without first getting kind of, you know, familiar with it and open to it. So how you do a focusing statement is you're going to write how you feel about this thing. So I'll give you an example. This, this would be my focusing statement. I have never felt comfortable with fear. I hate the way you make me feel out of control and that I never know how to be with you. I'm either overreacting to you or underreacting to you. And I, I don't like it. I don't like the feelings you bring up in me. That's it. That's my focusing statement. So I want you to take, it shouldn't take you longer than five minutes. I want you to take five minutes, whether you're walking or sitting, and I want you to write your focusing statement. Now remember, there's no wrong way to do this. Make it personal. So first person, you notice that I talk to fear in first person. It, it helps us to immediately make connection with that feeling. 
and then keep it short. It's short and sweet. You never want your opening paragraph to a paper you're writing to take up two pages. You want it to be short, sweet, and concise. And it shouldn't be longer than five minutes. So come back here in five minutes. Okay, how was that? Hopefully you got you got something to journal with. The next thing we're going to do is called your stepping stones. The stepping stones is your life history with this feeling. So for me, what is my life history with fear? And it's at a it's at a glance again. It's like when you're doing your stepping stones, it's whatever your inner voice is telling you to write down. So it may surprise you. Some of your stepping stones may not be something that you expected. It could be something that barely was a blip on your screen at the time, but your inner voice tells you to write it down. And when your inner voice tells you to write it down, you listen. So for most people doing their stepping stones, they they have eight to ten. If you're older and you've had a lot more life, which doesn't necessarily mean older in age maybe you've had a lot of experiences so sometimes you might have 12 but typically for most people it's 8 to 10 and if you're younger it might be 6 there's again remember this is the prompt is the the suggestion or the place to step off from but there's no exact right way or exact number because every person is different so every person is going to have wiggle room within the prompt so I'm going to tell you how this plays out when you do your stepping stones with this feeling of rage anger grief loss fear whatever you're doing it with You start by taking the events of your life that spontaneously come to your mind. When you reflect on the course your life has taken from from the beginning to today, think about your first encounter with this feeling. So I'm doing fear. So what is my first encounter with fear? Start your stepping stones from the first memory you can think of. Don't read too much into it. Stepping stones are like the hinges of our lives that move us from one place to another with regards to rage, anger, loss, grief, fear, fill in the blank. These are the memories that are significant in shaping us, both positive and negative. Writing your stepping stones is your way to blur your eyes and see the entire scope of your relationship with this feeling. So you're popcorning it, you know, like boom, 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 boom. Some people it comes very fast for, some people maybe they get three in a row and then it kind of slows down a little bit. Everybody's different. So you're going to sit in silence with yourself and you're going to listen to, again, that first thought, best thought. What is the first moment that your inner voice brings up for you? 
when you think about your life history with fear. When we do this, one of the ways that helped me when I first started learning this that may sound kind of silly is I actually drew stones on my paper. So I say, you know, mom and dad fighting, circle it. Red shoes, circle it like a stone. You know, and that helped me kind of contain within the container what I was trying to do because I didn't really know what I was doing yet because I had never done it. So you've never done it, maybe. Some of you that know me and have done the journaling workshop that I lead or the meditative archery know exactly what I'm talking about. Again, this is one of those things that is very short responses. You don't want to write a paragraph of, you know, that time when my brother cut my braid off in in the middle of the night and I was so upset and mom and dad did nothing. It is like, no, cut my braid off. Stepping stone one or two or three. And sometimes when we do stepping stones, we have to remember that they don't always f- follow an exact timeline. You know, you may start something at like five years old and then jump to when you were 30. That's right. It's kind of like whatever your inner voice is telling you your stepping stones are, that's what your stepping stones are. And then when you do it, you know, if you do the intensive journaling workshop with me and you're doing it with, you know, you're doing a journaling with your body, it's going to be completely different stepping stones. Because you have lots of memories and lots of ways your life experience has affected you. So I'm going to demonstrate how this would go. You're going to sit in silence with yourself. You're going to breathe. You're going to be in your body as much as you can. And my first thought would be around fear When my mom and dad fought and I tried to get in the middle. When I was afraid that they were going to get a divorce. When I couldn't find my sister. When my dog died. And then I would keep going. Sometimes they are as simple as Uncle Jack, sparkly red shoes, lost doll. We know what the memories are, so we don't have to fill it in. Because we know the moment we say Uncle Jack, we know what it is. The moment we say lost doll, we can go right back to that memory. We don't want to get caught in the, wo- in the weeds of trying to explain it because we don't need to explain it to ourselves. We know what it is. So this prompt usually takes about 10 minutes. If you need longer, take the time you need. If you aren't sure if you're done, sit in silence with yourself. Wait and see if another memory comes up for you. Do that as many times as you need to do it. Sometimes this comes very fast for people. Sometimes it goes 
more slowly. It's it's kind of like let it be what it is. But I would say if it's taking you 20 minutes, then move on. This isn't this shouldn't be like pulling teeth. It should be like a movement within you, kind of like you jump into the river and kind of float with the stream and when you need to jump out, you jump out. If you're angry and it's making you enraged, that's okay. Step out. This is not this practice is not a practice of forcing you to do something that you don't want to do. This is a practice of when we listen to our inner voice, our inner voice has our best interest at heart. A lot of us don't believe that because we've been taught not to listen to our true inner voice. But when we listen to that true wisdom piece inside of us, it has our best interest at heart. So if we're trying to rip off a Band-Aid and dig at something, that is not our best interest. So this is also a practice of listening to ourselves. And when, when ourselves, when our, when our self says we're done, then we listen and we go, okay, and then we move on to the next thing. So I want you to take 10 minutes. Remember, first thought, best thought, move on. You may not understand all of, all of the stepping stones that you're putting out there or why they're out there, but it may make sense. So take 10 minutes and come back here and try to be kind to yourself. that sometimes I think like I said before you have a stepping stone that completely surprises you I had um, somebody come and do the archery workshop one time that the one that I do that has the this particular journaling prompt with it and she did her stepping stones I think she's in her 60s and she did a stepping stone that completely surprised her she barely even remembered the event that happened. And she said when it happened, like 30 years before, it had been a blip on her screen. But it came up for her in the stepping stones. So that's why it's so important to listen to that inner voice. Because it had something to tell her that it wasn't okay when it happened. But until she did the stepping stone, she really hadn't seen it. And she barely even remembered the memory. So it can be really powerful. So the third thing that we're going to do, and it's sort of the last thing, is the dialogue. And often the dialogue kind of freaks people out because when they hear the word dialogue, they think that I'm going to make them stand in front of me and we're going to do a talk dialogue. (laughs) And we're not going to do that, obviously. You're wherever you are in the world, and I'm sitting in my bedroom, my recording studio. So what the dialogue is, is it is your chance to have a back and forth conversation with the feeling that you're talking to right now. And it is powerful. Because so often in our life, 
we are being led by this feeling and not even realizing it. It's like what I said in the beginning. If we don't identify the feeling and kind of at least look at it, if we can't make peace with it or coexist with it or whatever it is, if we aren't looking at it, it is squishing out in other ways in our life. It's leading us. So it could lead us into a fight that we don't need to be in because the fight really has nothing to do with anything. It's just kind of a symptom of what is going on underneath that we're afraid. And when we can identify that we're afraid or we're angry or we're discouraged or we feel trapped or whatever it is, when we can identify it, we can put we can put it where it needs to be. And what I mean by that is we can at least look at it and go, okay, I, I'm not sure. This is, and I've told you this practice that I have before. I'm not sure what to do about you fear. But at least I'm looking at you and I trust my inner voice to tell me a solution when there is one or at least a way to kind of not be ruled by you, fear. So when you do your dialogue, this is the point where it really becomes important to lean into that improv, that don't block the offer. Because a lot of us, when we do this, not everybody, but a lot of people when they do this feel silly at first. Because you feel like, what am I talking to? Am I talking to myself? Am I talking to you know, fear, what is this? Again, don't overanalyze it. Just try to stay as limber and in the moment as you can. There isn't a wrong answer. You let the feeling speak and you give yourself permission to speak back. Some of the ways that people get snagged is by not letting the feeling speak back to you kind of assuming what it's going to say because sometimes we've been having a conversation with rage and anger forever and so we feel like we know what it's going to say to us. We don't want to do that. We want to let it speak. We want to also give ourselves permission to speak back and say whatever we need to say to it. So you want to greet the feeling. So, hi fear, how's it going? And then I let fear speak back to me. Hey, Angie, we've been spending a lot of time together lately. And then I would say to fear, yeah, yeah, you are an everyday back and forth that I have. And then I let fear talk. Yeah, because the world is scary and dark right now. And of course, I'm all around you. And then I might say to fear, yeah, but you invading my sleep at night is not doing me any good. I'm, I'm waking up exhausted, anxious, stressed out, and it's all because you will not give me a fucking break. Fear. Yeah, yeah, because I also want you to be alert and ready to go at any given moment. And I might say to fear, yeah, but being hypervigilant 
is exhausting me and I don't know what to do. And fear says to me, you need to stop and take a break and feel me a little bit every day. If you do not stop and take a break to feel me, Angie, a little bit every day, that balloon is going to build up inside of you bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it explodes. But you can let out the valve on that balloon a little bit every day to feel me because I need to be felt. By pretending I'm not there is not doing any good. If you let me out a little bit every day, whether that's when you go on a run or you can find a way to scream into your pillow, whatever it is, you need to let me out a little bit every day because I'm not going away anytime soon. And that's it. I just did a back and forth dialogue with you. And and just like most of the time with the journaling, I got something profound that now I'm going to stick in my back pocket. So I want you to have a back and forth with this feeling. And I just showed you how to do it live because I didn't this is not something I'd written down earlier but I've done this journaling enough to kind of let myself quickly get into the flow usually this takes about 15 minutes if you've never done this before sometimes it can take up to 30 minutes sometimes like I've I've had people get to something you know in three minutes like in two back and forths with whatever emotion, it's, it's that quick. So I'm saying that to just say there isn't really a set formula for how long it's going to take. It might, it might be super quick for you. It might take a little bit longer. If you're not sure where it's going or if you start to feel yourself get a little overwhelmed, again, stop and breathe and just wait and see if your inner voice has anything else to say to you. The other thing is, remember, we are not scratching at wounds. We are not digging stuff up. If you feel that, then stop. That's not what we're doing. That's not what this is about. This isn't digging up some kind of dark thing that needs to be released into the light. We are listening to that inner voice tell us what what it's time to do. So if you get something really small, that's a good place to start. That's the best place to start. That's where we're starting. So I want you to take as much time as you need. But again, it shouldn't take 45 minutes. Good, a good rule of thumb is a half an hour. If it takes more than that, you might want to look at if you're digging at something or not. If you're not sure, like if you get stuck, ask a clarifying question. Fear, what good are you? And they'll let fear answer you. Why are you a part of my life? I don't understand you. I don't understand what your purpose is. What do you have to show me? Is there anything good about you? Ask a clarifying question and then let that feeling answer back. Okay. 
and be kind to yourself. was good. Now, the last thing that I want you to do, and you can just do it, is to sit in silence with yourself and see if any image or piece of poetry or smell or color comes out. I am very a very visual person. So for me, I can sit down in a second after the journaling and and sit down with myself and usually a picture emerges for me. So the picture that I got is a sword of fire and something to do with, I think it's something to do with speaking truth. So I would draw that right now. You know, you don't have to be a good artist. I sometimes can get real professional or picky. Just don't do it. Just draw what you see. Some people are not visual people at all. They get a line of poetry, maybe a Neruda poem or, you know, they or a line to a song or, you know, the smell of, they're, you know, coffee and bacon in the morning. Whatever it is, just write it down and draw it. And then, and then you're done. The last bit, which I would say is one of the most important bits, and here's why. We can tend to do something incredibly vulnerable and then it gets stuck there. And there is a theory about moving this stuff out of the body. And that's why, for me, connecting this to archery was so powerful because you do this really intense, powerful thing. And then I teach you archery in about three to five minutes and then you're shooting and it's getting this stuff out of your body. So if you can find a way to get it out of the body, I strongly suggest it, that's somatic healing. One important thing is to, if you have a safe person that you can say part of this to, the vulner, the vulnerability piece is one of the most powerful pieces. So you might not have a safe person that you can read the journal to. And I'm not talking about the whole journal, but let's say like that piece I got at the end with fear, where fear said, if you don't acknowledge me a little bit every day, that balloon of pressure is going to build up inside of you till it explodes. And I know what's going to happen when it explodes. It's going to hurt people that I love. So if I look at fear a little bit every day, then I'm letting the pressure off. That is profound. So my, what I'm going to do after the podcast is over is I'm going to go say that to Todd. It's like an accountability piece. It's also saying shame is not going to get a foothold here. Everybody has things 
everybody has something that they're fearful about, that they're angry about, that they need to speak out. So I strongly urge you, if you have a safe person, to just say, hey, I did a really powerful thing, and would you just be a listening ear? I don't want feedback. I just need to be able to speak this piece to somebody and have them hear it. Make sure... I, I just, I don't want advice when I share something vulnerable. That is not constructive to me. I just want a, a place to be able to say it to somebody and they can say, thank you for sharing that or that was really brave or whatever. If you do not have that, then what I would recommend is is reading that piece and recording it on your phone or whatever and listening to it back and acknowledging your courage and your bravery to be this vulnerable with yourself. Not not all of us have safe people that we can talk to. And you're done. You did it. If I was sitting with you, I would hold that space for you so willingly and gladly to hear you and to hold this peace with you. And so I want you to know that I'm leaning into that right now as I do this podcast with you. As you do this, I'm holding that space with you and saying, you are brave. That was courageous. This is not an easy thing to do. People don't do this kind of work because it's hard. It's hard to look at these things, you know, especially if you've been bound in fear and rage or shame or whatever it is your entire life. It's really hard. This was not easy for me to do the first time I did it. But you did it. And I'm so proud of you. The other thing I really want to strongly encourage you to do is hold this close to you for 24 to 48 hours. Don't tell anybody what you did. And the reason is, is sometimes when we do something really vulnerable, really powerful, we're, we're excited about the nugget that we got, you know, the inner wisdom that was revealed. And so we tell somebody and they poo-poo it. And without us even realizing it, it diminishes in some way. It doesn't actually diminish, but in maybe our own eyes, it diminishes the hard work that we did. And I say this after every journaling experience, just hoard it for 24 to 48 hours. Honor yourself in some way. Reward your healthy behavior. Honor your healthy behavior, whatever it is for you. Like, you know, we're kind of trapped in our houses right now. So it's not like we can take ourselves, you know, out to dinner. But reward yourself with something for $5 or under. Like, maybe you can't buy anything right now, but you could make a nice cup of coffee for yourself. You could give yourself a bubble bath. You could say, hey, um, I'm tapping out and I'm going to read my book for an hour. Please don't bother me. Whatever you could give yourself to kind of mark this experience as the honoring work that you did, the better. Because this is life-changing work. It really is. I have I have give, been given access to things that have changed me because of this tool. And like I said at the beginning, I use it all the time. 
Thank you for participating with me. I'm really excited to hear any anything that you want to share with me, any nugget that you got, I'll keep private, but I'm really excited to hear what you were able to get because I think when we do this stuff, especially in the time that we're in as as the universe dealing with the, this pandemic, the more connected we can be to our inner life, our inner world, the more we can reach out to the people around us, the more connected we can be to our outer world. If you're interested in doing any kind of workshop around this in the future, I have these available different times during the year. I have been working on creating one online. So for people that can't get to Portland or aren't near here can do this three-day workshop with me. Also, the archery is connected to it. When we are through with this sheltering in place, then I would love to take you through this face-to-face. Thank you for risking this with me. I really appreciate it. I, I feel you out there in the world doing your work. Remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you soon. One thing occurred to me, so we can call this the caveat section. I know that not everybody is going to find this easy. I am somebody that typically needs all of the learning, like I need to see it, I need to hear it, I need to touch it, I need all of them to help me learn something. It is difficult for me to learn something just hearing it. If you got stuck, please don't be critical of yourself. Just reach out to me. You can find me, send me an email through my website at angiefatal.com. You can DM me through my Instagram at angiefatalsoulcare. You can reach out to me through Facebook, and I think that's also Angie Fatal Soul Care. I want to help you because this is such an important tool that I've used, and I want you to be able to access this tool. If you're interested, let me know, and I could maybe do a Zoom where we live stream how to do this together. Let me know what you think you might need because I don't want you to feel stuck in this place. Okay, take care of yourself.